Good morning. This is Tom Clark of Papa Tom's Tales and the Father's Heart. And I have a very special guest with us today. It's Tracy Armstrong from the West Coast, the left coast in some people's minds. But I, I had a chance to meet uh, Tracy two or three times when he was on the East Coast, coming to a good friend of ours, uh, Sam and Susan Ahn's house. And it was um, the happy hour. And uh, he and I hit it off pretty well. He's a handsome gentleman, pastor. And uh, I asked him if he would participate with me. I got a copy of his book. I think I sent him a copy of my book in uh, Papa Tom's Tales, The Boy Who Found His Name. And uh, he agreed to do a podcast. And it's taken about three months to get together. But here we are. So Tracy, tell us a little bit of background to our audience about yourself. Hi, Tom. Thank you for the invitation, first of all, to be on the podcast with you. And um, love, love your work. Love what you're doing with reaching a generation of young people. Uh, myself, I am, I am, you know, pastor in Seattle, Washington. I'm pastors at three locations here, uh, expanding across the United States in different different ways. I'm a success coach. I, I, I have, I'm a father. I have three children, which are absolutely awesome. Uh, two boys and a girl. Two oldest are boys. My daughter, she's a girl. She kind of runs runs everything. And then my wife, uh, it's an amazing woman, Natalie Armstrong. We we do work together in the kingdom of God, um, from from business coaching to pastoring churches. Um, you know, this I love the, your podcast simply because I am a father. But part of my desire to be a father, my craving to be a father, was I grew up without a father. I grew up in a, a fatherless home. I actually, um, tomorrow I'm doing the funeral of my my uncle who was like a father to me, and so I'll be I'll be uh, you know doing his eulogy tomorrow. And uh, but he was I was in a house with my grandmother, my grandfather, and my uncles who were all high level achiever athletes. <clears throat> the one that's that we're burying tomorrow, he he's a, a two time Olympian. Um, medalist and so he was he was like a father to me and uh and so but but one of the things that i think is unique about my story is that i this craving for father i knew that you know he wasn't my father but these were these men were great examples uh so you know i sought for a season to find my father um my wife really wants me to go further and still look for my father but i don't know his name i don't know who he is i don't know anything about him um we have some some kind of broad ideas of who he may be, but we really don't know who he is. My mom gave birth to me at sixteen, hmm. impregnated by at fifteen, and you know. So but your mom uh, must know who he is, though, right? Well, you know, again, my mom is. I'm, you know, I'm fifty three. Yeah. My mom is is she has she has an idea of who he is. Yeah. Um, but. We still have not been able to lock him down. He, I think the last name is the problem. The first name, right? Because yeah. you're 15 year old, sure. you're hanging out with a boy. You, who knows his last name? <laughs> it's, right. it's like you're 15 year old, and you know, I, there's no, there's no knowledge of what kind of depth of that relationship. So. Yeah. Well, as I told you before, and our audience knows that listened in the past, uh, God's given us this theme for both the books and the podcast of Malachi 4:6. At the end of the age, I'll bring the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children to the fathers. And you are actually a living example of someone who didn't have a father, at least not in the natural context of that. Uh, but the man who sired you uh, biologically was not your father, but your uncle. Was it your uncle that you said took care of you? Yeah. So, 
It was your uncle that fathered you. And he, as a young boy, he brought you along in terms of um, teaching you, right? What a father was like. And you were able to develop not only the masculinity of being a, a man, a young man, but also the, the spiritual and uh, psychological and emotional state of becoming a father yourself, someone who wants to protect and provide. That was really the third thing God showed me about fathers. They always want to protect. They always want to provide. They always want to teach. And you've got yes. that from your uncle and he's transmitted that to you. So now you as a, uh, a father, of, not only as a father of the three in your family, but God also showed this to me as a, a true father is not just a father in his home. He's a father in his community. He's a father in yeah. his church. So to a true fatherhood and the heart of a father is, that's imparted into a man's heart is also uh, given out uh, in uh, his family, his community, and his church with the same aspect of wanting to protect and provide and teach your family, your community, your church, and it's the extended uh, concentric circles around uh, the way you live your life. And so you're an example of a success story. No wonder why you're a success coach <laughs> of Malachi 4.6. Yes. Well, the thing is, is that, yeah, and it was my uncles. I had, I, you know, four uncles in the house. They all around the same age. The one that I'm, that's going to be, uh, you know, laid the rest tomorrow as a twin. And then we had my grandfather. So I had role models in great, but they weren't my providers, the way you're describing. They weren't my providers. They were role models. Huh. Um, it really came to this place where I was seeking pastors. And as I started to search for ministers, I was going after one person, after another person, seeking to be a father. I said, well, you know, it's almost like I was running around from home to home. Going, Will you be my dad? Will you be my papa? Will yeah. you be my father? That's actually and sad it, it, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm feeling really, your heart there when you're saying that. You know, you mean my dad, particularly if the person says no. Well, and the thing is, is they would say, well, I don't, and they didn't know how to. Yeah. And the realization, they, they didn't say no. They just didn't say anything. They just yeah. didn't know how. Right. Because there is, a, there is a deficiency of people who, who give birth to things but don't know how to provide for it, mm -hmm. don't know how to raise it, don't know how to you know, don't know how to create the right atmosphere of development. And I remember there's a point where I was, I was in, I was driving and I was praying and I said, God, how come I don't have a father? And I'm, I'm, I am literally married. I, I have a little tiny, you know, baby, my firstborn. Mm -hmm. I am, you know, my wife, I think we got married, I'll get married at 27. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I'm, 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 we're, we're adults. We get, we have a baby two years later. Right. And, and, and I'm praying this prayer still at 20, you know, 30 years old, 28, 30, 29, 30 years old. And the Lord, he says to me, you don't have a father so that you know what you so that you can be a father. You need to be a father to the fatherless. You need to find the fatherless. And so, you know, I remember one time I was so desperate to have a father. I told one leader, I said, you're going to be my father. I'm going to make you my father. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. <laughs> whether you like it or not. Literally, literally it was that. It's like, whether you like it or not, you're going to be my father. Right. And he would never use I'm his father. I'm his spiritual father or any kind of father. He just would never do it. But I continued to give it. And so finally, it's like, okay, he doesn't know how, even though he would want to, but he doesn't know how. And I think that people have, uh, we've had such a deficiency in fatherhood from natural fatherhood to spiritual fatherhood. That we, that we literally have an orphan spirit in the earth 
Yes. And we don't really know how to deal with it. We don't really know how to, to correct it. And the whole theme that you have is beautiful, which is turning. You know, it's the turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the father. And, but it's all about someone turning and, you know, here I'm turning and then, you know, but there's nobody turning back. Everyone's, you know, they have a, you know, most, most people that I was approaching, they were busy achieving. And so when you're busy achieving, you don't have a lot of time to turn. They're, they're out trying to build something for themselves because whatever they're building wasn't handed to them. It wasn't, it wasn't a generational legacy. If there was no merit coming from the previous generation, they helped this next generation get to their next place. And, and so everybody's fighting for themselves. And so they don't know how to be a father because they've never been father. Yeah. It's an interesting cycle. So there's, there's this, this thing that you're on, this thing with your book and this thing with this podcast that you, that you've really captured mm-hmm. is this ability to turn. You're starting people to turn You're you're, what you have is a podcast of turning it's turning hearts yeah. it's, and once we turn hearts then we can actually turn our our face and we see we can see that generation or that person or the individual for who they are and we can help them yeah um a couple of thoughts came to me as you were speaking uh one was that i had an interesting experience a little story about my son-in-law who wanted to marry my daughter my oldest daughter deborah and uh we got into this conversation uh, after he married her is what is he going to call me? Right? Because I'm not his natural father. I'm his father-in-law, right? So, um, in fact, he was funny one time. We, uh, uh, in our family, I have six children and 11 grandchildren. And one time um, the uh, for Christmas, he bought all the uh, in-laws uh, a T-shirt that says, we're the outlaws. <laughs> Instead of the so uh, he's pretty funny. I like the guy here a lot. Chip. Anyway, it came to a conversation uh, of how how was he going to address me, right? And I said, "Well, you can call me Dad." And when I said it to him, he stood back for a second, thought about a minute, and says, "You know, I can't call you Dad." I said, "Why?" He says, "I only have one Dad, and that's my father." And he was so attached to his natural father, that that was the only man that he felt comfortable calling dad. And I said, you know, Chip, I really understand that. And I really appreciate that. Don't feel bad that you can't call me dad. I honor I honor you in that. I, I, I honor that thought. And I appreciate that thought. And I embrace that thought. So I said, you can call me anything you want. You can call me Tom, Papa Tom, whatever you want to call me. But uh, I... He got really emotional about just what was the name he was going to use to address me. Yeah, that's beautiful. And he gives it a lot of form. Yeah. You know, sometimes these simple things about life uh, that happen, it reveals a lot of deeper things in people's hearts. And I was so thankful that he had a relationship with his dad that was that deep that he couldn't use that name for anybody else. You know, it's also interesting in scripture, it says, call no man father, right? And uh, I was raised in a, a Catholic church and uh, the priests were always supposed to be called father. And when I first read that uh, in scripture, I says, what's going on there? What, what is God trying to say about call no man father, right? Uh, I, and I came to the conclusion the reference was basically back to him. <laughs> you couldn't, shouldn't call him my father in the sense of God the father, right? But... Uh, 
anyway, that was a, another little social issue of, of my background. But uh, one, of the, one of the nice things is that you know that he will carry that into your legacy, into your children, absolutely, into your, your grandchildren, and uh, that that is something that you that's a character that will now be a, a character trait of the children that he raises, mm -hmm. and uh, that's beautiful. That's yeah. Right. yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that point because that's exactly true. I uh, he now has a father himself of four children, four of my grandchildren. And uh, he knows he and I have a, developed a special relationship because he knows that I always will honor him as father. And I always tell him what a good father he is. And it just melts him. It just, you know, he just laps it up. It's just a, a very important, uh, you know, emotional feeling that he gets out of that. That's beautiful. Anyway, uh, you mentioned that you had certain stories that you wanted to tell. Uh, describe to our audience that you think uh, would address some of these issues that are happening in, a, in the poverty spirit that people are experiencing because there's so much fear being um, bombarded in our, in our society and culture, not only in the United States, but all around the world with COVID-19 and the stuff that's happening in Washington, D.C. with the election and the mess that's going on around there. And we're hearing all sorts of reports of uh, a lot of things that I just can't, you know, the mainstream media, nobody wants to believe that anymore. They shouldn't. Um, but my point is it's all from a demonic point of view, focused on creating fear and God does not want us to be afraid. So, uh, and well, people... one, thing, one of the things that, you know, just if the scripture comes to mind as you're talking uh, in Leviticus, it says that uh, your mother it, it, it gives reference that an orphan is someone who has a mother but doesn't have a father. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned it before, and it says that you have to get your own water, you have to, you, have to, you have to get your own wood, you have to provide for yourself, and that a father should be someone that's provided. And so we've seen, we work with men, you know, I work with men, but just going back to my story by itself, you know, being such a fatherless person, uh, not being able to really encounter someone who's providing for me, that's trying to make a way for me, mm -hmm. someone that's more looking out for me, but I'm really trying to hold on to someone because of my, my really my neediness, my desire mm -hmm. to be loved and the craving from a, uh, you know, a male figure mm -hmm. that, that desire to have someone who loves me and be that, that alone is, is it takes, it takes you into an ambition that a craving for ambition and acceptance and notoriety that I think could be unhealthy. And it's, and it's, it's a part of the orphan spirit. So not only am I providing for myself, but I'm also trying to provide in such a way that someone recognizes me and wants me to come closer and wants to bring me closer and to make me a part of the family. It was um, when I first got saved, I, I went, they had, the church that I went to, they had, a, um, they had what they called a father-son day. Father Sunday. And I remember thinking, you know, I can't go to that God. I can't go to the Father Sunday because I don't have anyone to go with to take me. So I'm just not going to go to church that day. Mm -hmm. And I remember this so clearly. And, and I know that not everyone believes that you can hear the voice of God. But there's times that I believe that everyone has a prompting of God, some something that a whisper that rises within. And so I had this this whisper that that just kind of this prompting that was 
I'll go with you. I'm your father. I'll go with you. And the Holy Spirit, you know, I, went, I was so happy. I was so excited to have the Holy Spirit go with me. And so we went to this this event and I felt like I was the, the most prized person there because I had father, my father in heaven with me. And I think there's there's a lot of people who have that, that void, uh, whether or not they have a natural father. I mean, I talk to people, uh, you know, pretty regularly that have fathers that, that, that were there. Um, I had someone, you know, a friend of mine, um, I was just on a podcast, I was just on a, a call with him recently and we were talking, we're, we're still doing one of these, basically. We're doing it in, a, in a, a private setting, a challenge. And his name is Georgian Banoff, and he's, he's from Bulgaria. And he says, you know, I don't know what's worse, Tracy, you having, uh, you know, not knowing your father, not knowing who he is, not knowing his name, or me knowing my father and him being right down the road and me never seeing him and him never visiting and him never uh, showing up. That's a lonely, I mean, that's super lonely because you know him. Right. You hear his name in the community. So there's a lot of that that's happening in the earth. Yeah. And we we want to, we want to, we need to make a shift. If, if society is going to change, if we're going to change even the way, you know, our, our nation is, our nation is a, I think one of the, one of the biggest challenges is our nation encounters a lack of family, uh, that, that family unit. God didn't just raise up an army. He raised up a family that grew into a nation that then became an army. Right. And so if you can't, if you have an army without a family and you have a nation without a family, mm -hmm. then that's, that's, that's breaking all the rules of what sure. God has done. And if you think about this, uh, Tom, the idea that Adam, his name means man, means red man. And Adam is, his, is also his name, but his name changed in, in that, that God didn't, he was called Adam. So when God said the man, he would call him Adam. And then when he would say Adam, he would, he would call him Adam until he, he was one, bone of bone and flesh of flesh, until he was given a wife. At the point of giving a wife, then God started to refer to him as Ish. He's now a man. So, so a person doesn't really become a, when you're by yourself, single uh, man, you don't actually become a man in God's eyes, an Ish, until you have a family, you start working on family, you have someone to provide for someone to love, someone to, to bring uh, great life into the earth. So that, 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 that is what we are missing. We're, we have a lot of atoms, but not a lot of ish, ish men mm -hmm. who are actually creating uh, a place of provision. I love how you say that, how you, how you describe that. A, a father is not just someone who gives birth to a child who, who, who procreates, but someone who also provides and takes care of and helps and, you know, lends to, you know, their, their ideologies and their ideas and trains. And I love that person, that purpose, because that person has become an ish. That person has become a, a real a father, a man in, in the earth. That's why the enemy tries so desperately to tear apart the families. Yeah. And he tears apart the families by taking the father out of the picture either um, physically out of the picture, which is a successful yeah. that, but certainly emotionally and psychologically out of the picture. So you yes. need to be physically there, but if you're emotionally and psychologically gone, you're gone. And that, and that ruins the lives of the children. You know, about a week ago, I had my uh, 11th grandchild. I've actually had uh, 15, thank you, uh, 15, four were miscarriages. So we got four in heaven and 11 on the earth. And so the 11th child was a boy. He was born about a week ago. And my son, my oldest son, Isaac, 
called me and said, you know, this processing and contractions and so forth. Well, I was having breakfast one morning and then at the end of the breakfast, I was sitting there in front of a fireplace. Uh, not too many people were in the restaurant because of COVID-19. I'm sitting there kind of mostly by myself and uh, in front of the fire. And I'm, I'm listening to my son talk about the birth and they got off the phone and uh, I started swelling up inside of myself. I mean, this, these feelings and emotions of so much joy, just, just so much, I, it was hard for me to describe what I was feeling inside. And then I asked the Lord, I said, why am I, what, what am I feeling? I, I haven't felt like this in, I don't know how long. It's just, it's just a tremendous feeling coming over me. And I, what I happened was I was seeing in front of my mind's eye, all the babies that had been born uh, that I had experienced. It was my six children, some other ones, but particularly my six children were, uh, I was, my wife and I always participated in husband goes childbirth. I always had cut the umbilical cords. So I was intimately involved in the process of, of the birth. And I saw those pictures in front of me and I started welling up inside. And I remembered a, a story that my second son had told when he was about four or five years old. He was having a little picnic out on the front lawn with his mother. They had the, uh, the blanket out there. It was a springtime. And he said to his mother, he says, mom, is it okay to cry when you're happy? And my, my mom, my, my wife, Jamie said to him, yes, no, it's, it's certainly permissible that you cry when you're happy. So why, why are you asking me this question? He says, because I feel so happy right now. I feel like crying. Wonderful. And that was exactly the thought that I was having emotionally at that moment. And I said, why am I feeling this stuff, God, my father? My father spoke to me. He says, that's exactly how I feel every time a child is born. Wow. And I go, wow. It was as if God himself was sharing his heart with me, that that's how he feels. And that's why he is so upset with anybody who would hurt a child. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, we live in a world where there's child trafficking, where there's child sacrifices, where there's pedophilia, sexual perversions. I don't want to get into all that. But I just want to say, trying to think of the purity and the, the goodness that God the Father is such a good, good God. And, and he sees all that stuff going on. And all, it's, it's, it's like, it's no wonder in one sense how Satan yeah. is so uh, driven to attack the innocents, to attack the children, because he knows how much that hurts God the Father. And yeah, Satan yeah, hates yeah, God yeah. so much he wants he can't hurt God himself, but he can hurt the children. And that's where our world's at right now. Well, that's why I think, you know, authoring books like you, you know, children's books, kind of gives a place of direction and safety, keeps the voice of of direction in God and the, I mean you're a father of six, writing a children's book to other children. Uh, where they get to read and they may not have a father at home, but you get to feed into that father, that father's space in their heart. I think that's absolutely beautiful. And then you're, you, you're definitely a warrior against, you know, the, the trafficking of, you know, Seattle and Portland are the highest traffic areas in the United States. Mm. And so we are constantly on the, the battlefield of that. But I think 
education, training, teaching, uh, positioning children the way that you do uh, with your books, I think it's pretty, it's, it's powerful. I'll give you an example of something that was recently also the Lord showed me was that uh, the, my first book that he gave me, all my books come out of dreams, by the way. I have a dream on a Friday night, Saturday for four or five hours, I write the, the, write the text. And uh, a lot of it backfills the dialogue. But the first book is about identity. And the title of the first book is The Boy Who Found His Name. And um, it's a story about Luke. The protagonist of the book is Luke the light bearer. My oldest grandson's name is Luke. And Luke means light bearer. So Luke the light bearer meets a boy on the beach and he had very, very sad eyes. And Luke goes up to him and says, what's your name? And he says, I have no name. And then Luke goes further and says, but, uh, who's your mother and father? And he says, I have no mother and father and no one's named me. And then the book goes on to, in a positive way, Luke leads him up to, uh, uh, you know, son of man comes down in a chariot of fire like Elijah, picks him up in the chariot, brings him to heaven. He meets God and God teaches him things. There's 24 points of biblical truth in every book and uh, God gives him his name. Uh, his name is Michael, the one who stands in the place of God. Uh, I wrote this book about a year and a half ago, and just recently, we don't bring it up, is the Lord said to me, I want you to give those books to the children who are being trafficked. Wow. And there's tunnels under Washington, D.C. where they're, they're releasing children, and there's all sorts of, there's supposed to be tunnels in Australia and other places we're hearing these reports about children being released, and guess what? They don't have any names, wow. and they don't have any parents. So the very book about someone who doesn't have a name and doesn't have a very parent, and it's very well uh, illustrated. My illustrator is fantastic, Jerry Mosnack. And uh, it's a story that they can see and they can relate to in their imagination. But it's not just an imagination. It's not just a fictional book. It really has spiritual content to it to help them to connect with God the Father. Just as in a similar way, when you went to the church, there was a father and son meeting, and God said he'll yeah. be your father. That's yeah. what the book does to a child who feels like he, he, he's, he's a nothing, he or she, man or woman, boy or girl. They feel that there's a void in their life. We, you even have to start with we might ensure a lot of these children even not know uh, have language skills. Yeah. So we have to teach them language skills and understand what the book has to say to them. But it's always designed to connect. It will connect them back to God the Father. And I never realized when I was writing the book, I always thought it was by my first intention was to um, uh, households where there are single parent households. Ninety percent of the single parent households are women taking care of children without a father. I thought that was a natural position for the mother to read to them. But now I've got to figure out who, I know the book's supposed to get to these children. I'm looking for that gap between, um, I can get them the book, but my next challenge is who's going to read it to them. So I have a little insight on why that might be, but. Um, well, that's one. That's wonderful challenge, though. You're you're taking it on, and you're going to go after. It. If if I could just even to some of our reader, our listeners now, just I think I think there's some men that can that can write, and I want to 
encourage men to write. I like the way that you you approach this. I have a, a gentleman that I know. His name is Paul Young. He he wrote The Shack, and um, he wrote his book, The Shack, for his kids. He didn't write it for public viewing. He wrote it as a uh, after a major challenge. He wrote it as something that was a gift. I believe it was a Christmas gift for his kids. His kids enjoyed it so much. They started to pass it out and it became, you know, this, this world known book. And it's a longer story than that, but I think there's something about writing men. If I could just even just make this appeal, men write something for your kids, write something for kids that, you know, uh, if you don't have the ability to express it, at least, you know, dictate something, write it, uh, get it down. I did a funeral of a, a woman in our church, her, 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 her father, and I said, tell me about your father. And as she began to lay out this picture of her father, I mean, it was, it was like I was listening to the Forrest Gump story. It's like, it was like this guy had done some, done some amazing things. And I'm like, this is an incredible story. And then I, you know, then I do the, the, the day for the family and meet the family. And they're, everybody's just, he's an incredible, incredible guy. And that's when I realized I had something hit me, uh, Tom, that day. I, said, I, I thought to myself, everybody has at least five things that they've learned in life that they need to leave as a legacy uh, in writing to someone else. They need to, you said 24 points. Did you say 24 points? I yes. think everyone has at least five points of, 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 of life experience that their generations, their legacy needs to, needs to happen, whether it's uh, you know, a short story, whatever it may be, I think that that's going to be one way. And even if the, I think there's going to be uh, part of the, part of the thing I think is going to encounter Tom is when you write that book, you may have some children that will just read to other children. Uh, some children that can read that will get a group of them around and they will read to other ones and that's they will, there will be a, like a peer to peer kind of relationship. And, uh, and they'll, and I think they'll probably fight through some of the words. Well, what does this word mean? And then they work it all together. I just think that that's a beautiful picture because right now the world is kind of gravitating to this peer to peer. But if you're still the voice of the father that's coming through the book, right. then it's turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the father. I could just see that. I'm, I'm a movie maker, so in my mind, I just see that that playing out in a very interesting way. So, well, the two thoughts that I had. Uh that in the back of my mind, one was uh, even locally that the uh, the children's ministry was going to give us, the children were going to read the books to other children. So you're right on with that one. Okay. But the second one with the traffic children, uh, I had this thought of YWAM, Youth with a Mission, and that the uh, the teenagers or the young people, the younger people who are older, yeah. not just kids, but older, a little older, uh, would read to the children. Um, that they were trying to service thing. My, my oldest daughter spent uh, a year with YWAM, uh, six months out in Lausanne, Switzerland, and then six months in uh, Cairo, Egypt, where they took the children off, the babies that were being thrown on the, the, uh, the dump heaps, you know, the garbage heaps, and uh, parents that didn't want to have the children anymore because they were defective in some way, or maybe they just didn't want them, would throw them on the, on the, uh, uh, the garbage heaps, and my daughter and uh, her other, YWAM compatriots would come by every morning and watch them. As soon as somebody dumped them on them, they went and picked up the baby and brought them back to a Mother Teresa-funded home in Cairo, Egypt. So I know Amazing. that the spirit behind a Discipleship Training School at YWAM is an excellent 
background for someone to minister to little children, and the, and the book just gives them a, uh, a track to run on. That's beautiful. That's absolutely wonderful. I think I think Egypt has one of the largest largest dumps in the in the world, right? Where mm -hmm. uh, they're doing that. I know that it's was big, and it was uh, it, it made a tremendous impact on her life. And I think she's got connections back into Lausanne, Switzerland, or back into Wagram, I should say. Which, being that be the case, she doesn't know it yet because I haven't talked to her about this. <laughs> but I know one of her. Uh, huge motivations in her heart was uh, to turn around uh, ch child children's sex trafficking in the Far East and places like that. She would travel anywhere in the world to do that. And it's been deeply impressioned on her heart. It's the primary motivator in her, in her motivational set for ministry was to take care of the children. And that's, that's where God the Father is. He wants to take care of the children. Yes. Um, it's such a, such a huge element to it. Um, so, uh, and it, it's, I believe it's, it's time has come, you know, in addition to uh, Malachi 4.6 um, as being the theme, the Lord also directed me in mind to say, um, to look at Malachi 4.5 and Luke 1.17. And uh, Luke 1.17 is when Zacharias, the father of uh, John the Baptist, and the angel Gabriel came to speak to him and told him that, you know, uh, he was going to have a son, his name was John, so on and so forth. He said, he'll come in the spirit of Elijah. Well, John the Baptist comes in the spirit of Elijah. Back to Malachi 4, 5, it says, the spirit of Elijah will come before the day of the Lord. And the Lord said to me, spirit of Elijah came before the first coming, spirit of Elijah's coming before the second coming. And Malachi 4, 5, deals with this age right now that we're living in. Yes. So that was another little insight that the Lord gave. So uh, well, I think that's great. I think we need to do as much as we can to continue to turn uh, hearts. And so, you know, I think I think that, I think it's happening. I think there's young people that are turning to uh, their fathers and I think their fathers are turning to uh, the kids and the young people and uh, as much as there, there's a divide in, you know, maybe you know, social media or different aspects of outworking, I think people are starting to become more and more concerned. And with some of the things that are happening with the inability to visit the elderly or whatever it may be, there's a heart yearn. There's a, there's a craving, a desire to be with, with, uh, with certain. So I think there's something happening positive in this season, even though it's a very challenging season. I think people are becoming hungry for family and connection. I definitely believe that we're living in a time, uh, a historic time, a time of historic proportions that we don't even understand in the time that we're living in, how God is going to move in what the most dramatic way he's ever moved in history. And uh, we'll see it manifest to us and in the not too distant future. Um, Particularly, I think this year that we're talking about right now, we're going to see a lot of it happening in the next uh, ensuing years. And also, uh, prospectively, I think is going to um, be monumental in, in a way. And there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the earth. And uh, I really believe that the prophetic people are talking about a billion souls being saved. Um, the, the demonic side of it wants to depopulate the earth. 
Yeah. Um, and God wants to bring all those children home. So there's the there's the battle there's of the, the battle. Yeah. yeah. Back there's the forth. battle. And I, I think there's, you know, I was in DC in November. Uh, no, in a, yeah, right. Well, a week, at the end of October. And I, you know, praying there, I just felt like the Lord said, you know, this, this is the season where uh, we need to have generalist leaders. People need to choose to lead. And everyone needs to lead in their sphere, in their sphere of influence. And when you, when you choose to lead, then you become a father, right? You're that person that's doing the first turn. Someone has to turn first. Right. And so if, uh, if you, if you're the leader, you, you turn first, you don't wait until someone turns to you, you as the man turns, you as the father turned mm -hmm. and, uh, and then someone will turn to you, uh, and be there for the training and developing and all the things that fatherhood should be. Mm -hmm. That's how we're going to save our nation. That's how we're going to save uh, the world around us with, with an understanding. Um, you know, I think I, I was a friend of mine, another friend in Bulgaria, and he was saying that the number one, uh, China, Japan and Bulgaria are, are, are not keeping up with the population. They're not fathering enough children. They're not bringing enough children to earth to keep up with the population. They're a decreasing nation. Well, that's another problem. Socialism and, uh, you know, this, you know, certain mindset ideology that says we're too populated stops fathering. It stops actually procreating and stops actually looking for an opportunity to turn. So we need to see those things turn around where people are feeling like, you know, I'm antisocial if I don't father, instead of I'm antisocial if I father. Mm -hmm. And that has become a mindset that is taking over in Europe and other nations. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think even, even squeezing itself into America where we don't want to look at family as a benefit for society in the earth. We look at family as a burden on the uh, on the economy and the burden on the out the you know the materials of the world. That's a problem. It is. That mindset of problem. Yeah. Even going back, my first oldest child is like 37, 38 years old. I can remember uh, having children, and my friends, Christian friends, were telling me, "Well, you only need to have one or two because they're very expensive. So you shouldn't have more than one or two kids if you're going to have any at all." And I thought to myself. I don't know if I want to. I came from, I'm the oldest of eight. So I came from an Irish Catholic family of eight. And I'm saying to myself, I don't want to open myself for one or two. And so I prayed about it. And God said, you have as many as you want. And don't worry about the economics. I'll provide for them. And that's exactly what happened. And, and so we need to, we have a now a social standard in America that says being a father is really not that important. We see, we see that, you know, the sitcoms with the father who's on the couch and He's a dork and everybody makes fun of him. We have this idea that we need, I think in my mind, we need to take media back and bring fathers as being awesome people in, in yeah. media, in movies, music, in book writing, in fashion, whatever it may be. We need to actually make that guy, the guy that's the father, not the dork anymore. Because I think people are lean to that ideology, that mindset, and so we get the outworking of that in a generation that they don't want to turn. Yeah. Well, you and I are doing our part. Yes. Not only being fruitful and multiplying, but also turning around media because we have uh, podcasts and uh, blogs and children's books. And what are the media yes. things that you have that you'd like our audience to know about? Well, um, so I have, a, I have a channel that I'm working and building. It's called Destiny Channel. And it's for the sake of bringing value-based 
media, value-based television, and entertainment. Uh, it's it's our feature around four aspects of movies, music, uh, ministry, and marketplace development, marketplace teaching. And so we, we we need to develop children's programs. We we are really behind. I mean, the last greatest children's program I think that we as Christians have had is Veggie Tales. And it, you know, I think Sony in the buying so some company in the buying it and changing it a little bit. But that's the last great idea that we've had for children, children's animation uh, that's come out of the Christian world. And so we need we need that. And so our goal is to to do that. I have I have a group that I work with called Influencers um, Accelerator, and there's a there's a woman there that I'm really excited about because her goal is to do to to make a difference in children's animation. So my world in this world, best case scenario for me, working with God, and lots of prayer, and lots of people on the team, is we're going to we're going to create a new space for media where that's value based, um, uh, and it's gonna. It's going to be powerful. So, well, we I have I have something for you to, for you to think about. A new kind of news. We're working on new new kind of news to come out. Um, you know, that's going to be that's going to be interesting. We need journalism. that. We need yeah, that. We need that. So, that that's what I want. I want I want to have that media space. And so, if, you know, I I love having you on the team. I'm pulling you on the team right now. Sure. And so, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna build this together. Well, I have a uh, I have a movie for you, a children's movie. Okay. Right? I had a conversation with a finance man uh, in the coming out of the Hollywood movie industry, and he used to be the finance director for uh, Dick Clark, Dick Clark Productions, oh, wow. American Bandstand, and he did the Penguin movie, he did a whole bunch of movies, and I described to him Papa Tom's Tales, Grandpa's Bedtime Stories. It was going to be a series of twelve books. And each book dealing with the fear and how the love of God overcomes the fear as very imaginative and so on and so on, but it's actually really true. And uh, he looked the light back, gave him the whole storyline. So forth. he says, when you get finished with the 12 books, he says, that is a perfect uh, series to do a movie back. He says, because what happens is that um, Hollywood, now this is converting it into the business world, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And, and from a finance guy in the business world, he says, and you have a children's book series, uh, all the paraphernalia that you can sell. Yes. Light bearer hats, light bearer swords, light bearer, yes. you know, this, light bearer that. There's hundreds of millions of dollars in, in uh, follow-on materials or merchandising that can be sold on the on the afterglow of, of the movie. And so my, yes. I, talk, I came back from lunch and told my wife that, and she says, yeah, it would be perfect. She said, because each... Luke the Light Bearer is consistent along all 12 books. But the each book is about a child different than him. One person didn't have a name, becomes Michael. So there's different names of different children. They're, they come from different backgrounds. You know, there's 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 black and Asian and different, you know, um, racial types brought up, boys and girls, whatever, whatever the issue is. And they all are taken from a place of fear, but they have all, all these different problems and they all, uh, God heals them with his love. So as you said, the 13th book or the 13th section or even the movie, after you do 13 episodes of the movie, is the movie where all the children come back and they're all light bearers. And all each child has a different costume with different clothing set up, but they overcame their fear 
And because they were able to overcome their fear, they become light bearers themselves. And I said, that reminds me of the Avengers and the, the movie like that. And, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's an embedded storyline that uh, would probably work very well for a children's movie. Anyway, share that with you. I think that's excellent. We need children's movies and children's series. Series are the thing that I think uh, people are into uh, now. And, you know, you can, you can even go from a book to a series to a movie. Um, yeah. You know, right now I'm a working on yeah. a graphic novel that is nine, nine, nine volumes and that will become a series that hopefully will come up a movie. Well, book number two, uh, which is in the process of being illustrated right now, is The Boy Who Found Understanding. And it's yeah. a book about a boy whose name is Susan and he thinks he's a girl. Okay. And it's about transgender. And you tackle you tackled the stuff, don't uh, you? <laughs> Learn the stone unturned and going after the stuff. And what he admits is that he's confused. And so Luke says to him, My father is not the author of confusion. My father will help you overcome your confusion. And so and so the graphic illustrator is trying to describe in terms of picture form what does the spirit of confusion look like? <laughs> anyway, it's uh you know stay. Stay tuned for the second book coming out. But any case, um, it's been great talking to you, Tracy. Um, Thank you, Tom. What you, is there anything that you can want to tell our audience that they want to get in touch with you uh, relative to a podcast or a, um, uh, a website that they could go see? Yes, you can find me on any of the social media platforms, uh, uh, still on Instagram and Facebook. That's Tracy Armstrong, T-R-A-C-E-Y. Armstrong, uh, of course, the Destiny Channel, which is destinychannel.tv, mm -hmm. and then my my website is tracyarmstrong.com, T-R-E-C-E-Y, armstrong.com. Great, and you can also find uh, Papa Tom's Tales at papatomstales.com, and uh, the Father's Heart Podcast on Charisma Podcast Network, and you can forward slash pages forward slash charisma or forward slash. Uh, uh, the father search forward slash the father's heart. So thank you very much for joining us, and we really appreciate the time you're spending with us. Thank you. Everyone.